Welcome to another episode of Mutual Growth, the official podcast of Penn Community Bank. I'm your host, Aaron Clark, and I'm so glad to have you with us today. Be sure to visit PennCommunityBank.com to learn more about today's show, enjoy previous episodes, and find out what greater good banking can mean for you. Now, on with the show. All righty, Elena Lopez, welcome to the show. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? Doing great. We're excited to have you on today to, t- uh, to cover a, a topic that we talk a lot about at the bank, but um, is always good for folks to get a refresher on or certainly find out what resources available when it comes to educating themselves about their personal finances and what we call financial literacy. Um, but before we dive into any of that exciting stuff, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the bank? Okay, so my name is Elena Lopez, obviously. Um, I am the branch manager. I am one of the many branch managers here at Penn Community Bank. Um, And just a little bit about me. When I started my career at Penn Community, I personally was going through um, an economic self-sufficiency program myself. So I, you know, grew up here in Bucks County. Um, I didn't have the full knowledge or understanding of how to, you know, kind of grow finances. I was, my whole life was paycheck to paycheck. That was my family. That was all I'd known. So when I got to Penn Community, I was in that program. I was trying to soak in as much as I could learn from that economic self-sufficiency program. But I also realized very early on that Penn Community Bank is the best resource for me to learn that as well. And so I became a sponge and I just soaked up everything that I could learn to get myself to that point. Um, never in my life did I imagine that I would be in the position that I'm doing, that I'm in today, and that I'm doing what I do now. Um, as a branch manager, I always tell my customers that my job now is to be sure that they are completely confident in their financials and in every step to achieve their financial goals my job is to back them and make sure that they have what they need to get there. So, I mean, that's what I would consider my role. It's building relationships with businesses and individuals in the community using, you know, product services, all the resources of Penn Community Bank to encourage my customers as they take those steps towards their financial goals. No, that's awesome. Um, Just to, just to level set, what is your, definition of financial literacy? Why is it important? Kind of what are the basics? So we have a a basis to jump off uh, the rest of our conversation. Yeah. So financial literacy to me, um, it's really the ability to feel confident in your understanding of all the different components of personal finance. Um, You know, we think of, there's many different components. You have your savings and your interest and credit and like even debt management. So understanding and being confident in that aspect um, is really what it means to be financial literate, but like financially literate. Um, You know, it's important because there's so many different situations in your life that revolve around your finances. Um, There's different situations that are come up that are going to come up over time that are inevitable personal finances, that's your livelihood, you know? So to be able to be understanding, um, to be able to manage any issues that come along and to be able to prevent any issues that may arise, you really have to have that confidence in your knowledge surrounding that. So that's the most important. Yeah, for sure. So what, 
you know, you, you kind of touched on being a sponge and learning everything that you can um, from the bank side, now being in a position to kind of share that knowledge um, for the bank as a whole, for people who might not be familiar, might, you might not be their branch manager, but uh, they, they know they've seen someone in the office when they stop by a branch um, where they bank. How does the bank kind of make financial literacy or this educational component a, a priority in the communities we serve? You know, you kind of touched on what you did, but can you speak to the, the you know, the importance of it as a whole? Yeah, so as a whole, and I think that's why, honestly, when I started with Penn Community and as I was soaking up all that information and learning and growing in my own personal financial development, um, it I just felt so honored to be working for this bank, Penn Community Bank, because I could see it. So the bank as a whole contributes so much in charitable donations, but also involvement in programs throughout the county. Um, that encourage and provide financial resources. So like the economic self-sufficiency program and the entire bank from CEO all the way down, there's always been a presence and an involvement in programs like that um, in the community. You know, we have our workplace connections program. So that's something throughout all the branches that we really try to empower our business customers their employees with the Workplace Connections program, mm-hmm. that program is also focused on, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be a resource for your financial literacy as well. Like within every branch across the community, um, all of our staff are trained and understanding and have the ability to go out to businesses and employees and and discuss what they might need and help them learn a little bit more. Um, you know, and I think I've seen that a lot with with many different branches throughout the entire bank. They coordinate with the businesses and community partners and see what we could do um, to teach them a little bit. And it really can it can be pertaining to what they would need. You know, if we have a retirement community, maybe their financial literacy is learning something very specific about um, just even internet banking and scams that they might be susceptible to Mm. um, protecting their identity, you know, or if it's a college, you know, based group of people, okay, well, what are your next steps when it comes to home ownership or even consolidating those student loans? So it's something that they've encouraged as a whole for all of our branch employees um, to really kind of hone in on that, their understanding and be able to um, work with anybody in the community who might need a little bit of encouragement or uh, some support there. No, I think that's so important. You mentioned kind of the different life stages, right? We think, of, oh, financial education, that's something that you probably learn in school and then you apply it the rest of your life. Um, you know, there's different universes. You, you talk to an elementary, you know, school classroom about about finances and money a lot differently than you said like you talk to a college student or people who may be in a retirement phase of their life uh knowing that knowing that there's all these different variations of your of your spiel can you give Mm -hmm. us kind of just a mini financial literacy lesson that kind of touches on the the key elements of things that either you see uh the most questions about or that you just know hey these are the things that you gotta have nailed down um to be successful Yeah, absolutely. So for me personally, I've found that I've had a great connection with um, teens and young adults who are kind Mm -hmm. of transitioning through that high school years. They really, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame to see, but in, it's not as available in the, in the high schools or in, in their learning settings to learn just the basics of finances, right? 
So in, in when I would go through a financial literacy lesson, um, with that kind of age group, or even just like you said, bringing it back to the basics, the first thing I would touch base on is just basics of banking in general, right? So you have your different account products based on your needs. Um, and primarily, you're going to see in just a standard banking, you're going to see your checking account, your savings account, and maybe a CDs, right? Some, mm -hmm. some longer term savings. So what are those? You have your primary checking account that you operate out of. So the purpose of having a checking account, a primary checking account, is keeping it a secure place to hold your money for a short period of time. So you're going to be thinking about your paychecks coming in and then your expenses going out. You know, you're going to the grocery store or you're uh, just making an online purchase for something. You know, we all love Amazon. So, and, you know, those are your expenses going sure. out. And that's typically things that would be linked right to your checking account. Um, it's kind of a daily transaction style uh, product there. Um, now, you know, for longer term in one of my longer financial literacy, I'll go into depth about, well, what are the different types of deposits? How do you accept them? What are the, how can you do your withdrawals, cash, debit card, and so on and so forth. But those transactions, your daily transactions are in your checking account. You know, then you move into your savings and a savings account is a basic type of bank account that allows you to deposit money, keep it safe and occasionally, withdraw funds, right? We want to use that term. It's occasional. It's why it's a savings for a reason. So you're doing that. You're putting these funds in there. You're keeping it safe. You're not really touching it too often here, all while earning interest. So that's what the savings account is a key for. You're thinking of your emergency funds or even like a short-term savings goal. You want to buy um you know, tickets to a concert, but it's the Firefly three-day concert and it's a couple hundred dollars. You're going to be putting money in that savings account to save up for it. And then that way you have your bigger chunk to purchase those tickets or thinking about purchasing a car. You know, you want to put a down payment on, on it. It's not something that you're locking it away for years and years. It's a savings for shorter term goals. Um, and then that kind of brings into CDs as well. That's another common product that we'll see in just standard uh, financials. You have your CD, which is a certificate of deposit. Um, and CDs are like a savings account as well. Only with them, there's a fixed rate and a term. So they're locked away. I mentioned, you know, years and years, but there's different terms. It could be a few months. It could be a few years. And the reason for that is you're putting that larger chunk of money in that CD and you're earning a higher interest rate. So they typically have a little bit of a higher interest rate than your standard savings accounts. Um, you know, so that's really brings it down to the basics of banking. And then, you know, kind of transitioning into the interest. So I had mentioned earning interest on your savings and your CDs, but what is interest, right? So we hear, hear that a lot in you know, finances when you're talking banking or even, you know, in your commercials for cars or credit cards, you hear interest. So interest in financials is expressed in percentage terms. It's determined based on kind of the current economic environment, what interest rates would be categorized at. So you have your interest earned versus your interest paid. Um, your interest earned would be on what I was discussing with the savings accounts and the CDs. So interest earned on a savings account, it's the amount of money that the bank or, you know, the financial institution that you're working with, that they're actually paying you for holding your money in an account like a CD or a savings account. Um, 
by you putting your funds in there kind of like in a roundabout way, a bank borrows money from that deposit account and they're able to lend it to other customers. So because they're allowed to have that there and it's sitting there for that chunk of time, we're going to pay you a little bit of interest on it. And that's how you can earn um, with a financial institution. Now, there's a lot greater ways for you to go more in depth. Again, um, we have a range of experts, I would say, here at Penn Community Bank. So if you want to go into the sense of doing longer-term investing for your retirement or for larger specific goals, you can earn higher interest by working with an investment advisor. And that's when you're going to get into stocks and bonds and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for today, I'm going to keep it to the basics. Interest earns on the savings account. It's a little bit of money paid. It's a percentage paid um, while you hold your funds in that specific account. Um, and then there's another type of interest, right? The one that people don't really want to hear or talk about too much. And that, that interest is your interest. So that's the price you pay to borrow money. So when a lender, um, when we provide a loan, right, set amount of money that we're allowing you to borrow, um, we will determine a percentage of interest that will be paid over time. And so that interest is really the profit for the lender. We're going to allow you to borrow this money, and then you're going to pay this additional interest on top of it. And so when you're having interest paid, um, that rate really affects the true amount of what you're paying for a home or a car or any other type of purchase. Um, you know, you'll often hear of people switching from a bank to a bank you know, depending on what their loan is, if you have a home and you want and you hear the term refinance, it's, you know, they're going to refinance that with another bank typically because they want a lower interest rate. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to be paying as much on top of the original loan amount. Um, so, again, those are some of the basics when it comes to interest. Um, you know, I really enjoy that's a really big question that I get from a lot of the younger adults is, well, how do you compare and you know, why is interest rates different for a home or a car? So I'll really go into depth with those, sure. um, with some of our younger teens, um, just to help them prepare. So talking about the interest paid to borrow money. So that kind of brings us right into financing. So what is financing? Um, that's really, that's when you're asking the bank or a lender, it could be a lender at a different type of financial institution. Um, you know, there's plenty out there or even another person, say you're borrowing money from another person, that you're asking to lend, you're asking for them to lend you money that you promise to repay at some point in the future. So for example, if you wanna buy a used car, say you wanna buy this used car for $5,000, that's the cost of the car. But in that savings account that you have, that shorter term savings account that you have, you only have $2,000 in it. So what you what would you do in that sense? You would apply to the bank to cover the extra three thousand dollars that you don't have, and if you're approved at that point, you're going to agree to a specific term and an interest rate to repay that loan over the course of that term. So if you think car loans, a lot of times you'll hear them, okay, well for it for the next five years, this is you're going to be paying back on a monthly basis that three thousand dollars 
plus your 4.5% interest. That's what you're going to hear there. Mm -hmm. So you're spreading it out over time, you're paying it back and you're paying with interest. Sometimes there's some fees associated with it. Um, you know, and financing, it helps because one, if you don't have that extra $3,000, but you really need a car or in a sense where, Hey, maybe you do have the full $5,000, but you want to keep that extra $3,000 in a savings account in case any other type of emergency might come up. You know, those are your options. It makes things a little bit more flexible with the ability to finance. So when you're doing that, when you are financing, um, you know, anything really, a home, a car, uh, people even finance their cell phones. If you think about it, when you're 16 or 17, you might not have $1,000 to buy the newest iPhone. So what's the next best bet is really, you know, financing it, you know, um, paying back over time, whether you're paying to that cell phone provider or whether you're putting it on a credit card. Um, that really is all kind of what it comes down to. So, when in order to be approved for that financing, there's a couple things that help keep you eligible. There's things that you want to do to be a good candidate, right? You want to make sure that if I want, if I'm going to apply for this loan or um, this sum of money that I'm borrowing, how do I make sure that they're going to approve me? So a couple things to consider are, is your monthly income? Do you have a steady stream of income that will cover that loan repayment over time? It's very important to be consistent in your work. If you have a job and you work hard and then you keep going with it, um, you're showing that consistent income mm -hmm. coming over time. And then your credit history, right? How have you managed to pay back debt before? So, you know, that's a huge factor. Um, and for a lot of our younger adults, they're not fully understanding of what credit is. So, that kind of brings us right into like the next basic point that I would touch is, you know, your credit and your credit score. Um, I think it's pretty common knowledge. A lot of people know that there is such thing as a credit score out there. What is that? A credit score, it's, it's a three digit number. You're going to be typically between, I think the lowest is 300 that you could go. Um, but your highest is about 850. Right. So your credit score, where you're falling at in that, it represents kind of how risky you are or the likelihood that you would pay your bills over time. So you're going to have, um, you know, for instance, just looking at if you're purchasing a home, you're financing through a bank. A good credit score that we like to see is we want to see you at 680 or higher. Right. So that kind of tells mm -hmm. you the higher your credit score the, the better you've been with your credit history, um, the more likely you are to be able to pay back that loan over time, pay back that debt over time. Um, you know, and then what is your credit? There's, you know, there's a couple different things that go into that. What I was talking about with like, you know, borrowing uh, money for a car or a home and you're financing through a bank that's kind of like an installment credit. So you're taking mm -hmm. a loan for a specific sum of money that you're agreeing to repay plus the interest. But there's other of credit and there's credit cards. That's kind of a revolving thing. You get approved for a certain amount. Um, for a lot of my younger adults, you know, your first approval might be three or $500 maximum on your credit card. So how do you use that wisely? Um, the different things that factor in the two biggest things to keep that credit score high is your utilization of that line of credit and your payment history. 
payments? Are you paying on time every single month? Are you making additional payments? Um, or are you just only paying the minimum? And then you're going to think about your utilization. Are you, you have $500 on a credit card. Are you using that entire $500 every single month? Because that's a little risky looking to some lenders, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you keep that utilization lower. Um, and then again, that's a big one. A big hit is credit and credit score and how to manage that. Um, and that's something that I do really go into a lot more depth when I'm in those financial literacy lessons with some of our younger adults, because it really affects your ability to, you know, as you grow, you're going to be getting your student loans, your car loans, your mortgages, you know, even if you have to finance a specific thing, you know, you have a heater in a house, sometimes you don't have that cash to be able to pay for it. And you're going to have to, you know, finance that, that, um, you know, that bigger purchase. So these are all things that really come down to the basics that I don't hear being taught so much or so much of a focus in schools anymore. And so that's why it's so important for us to have these discussions and really uh, help our newer generations learn and grow and be prepared um, for their futures. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're entirely right. And, and it has to, uh, it has to start somewhere. That was certainly a, a high level overview. And I, there's no doubt in my mind, Elena, that you could have kept going. If I wasn't uh, putting you on the clock here, you, you could have talked about that uh, all afternoon, which is a great transition, right? We've talked about, we've talked about the resources that the bank has, the programs that they offer. We have, you know, great content on our website that has some of this knowledge center stuff. But if someone's listening to this podcast and goes, Hey, I, I really want to understand this. I want to take advantage of some of these offerings where can people get in touch with a team member or schedule a financial literacy program or take advantage of some of the bank at work options that you mentioned at the beginning? Oh, absolutely. So my, my big thing, you know, here at Penn Community throughout all of our branches, it's so, so, so important for everyone in the community to know, build a relationship with your branch team, you know? So I'm here, I'm a branch manager, but I have my entire team here in Warminster and all across in all of our branches, you know, all you have to do is reach out to anybody in, in that, in your local branch, reach out to anybody and just say, Hey, I have a couple questions. I want to learn a little bit more. Or if you do want to go that route and schedule, you know, we've worked with a bunch of different community groups where we scheduled it for a group of people. If that's something you're interested in, you could reach out to anybody at any of the branches. Um, if you don't have a specific branch that you're connected to, or that you have that relationship with, you know, even just calling our call center, Um, You know, going online, looking up our call center number and just saying, hey, who's the closest branch to me and how can I get connected to them? And we'll be able to get that scheduled for you. Um, You know, there's just so many different ways that, you know, we're out there and we're working and and we're really we can really be a great resource in the community um, to get those financial literacy courses scheduled and ready and available for questions. So. Yeah, certainly a, a great opportunity for everyone looking to, to learn a little bit more or, or begin to plan for uh, what comes next in their life. Elena Lopez, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes today to walk us through that. And uh, we'll hope to have you back on another time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mutual Growth, a podcast by Penn Community Bank. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. And as always, keep up with the latest from Penn Community Bank by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Penn Community Bank and connecting with us on LinkedIn. For more information about this podcast, links to past episodes, and to learn more about community-first banking, just visit pencommunitybank.com slash podcast. Mutual Growth is the official podcast of Penn Community Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. It is produced for the benefit of current and prospective customers and partner organizations. This program is provided solely for educational and entertainment purposes. The information contained herein is based on sources believed to be reliable, but is not represented to be complete and its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions, views, and estimates expressed are those of the presenters at the date of production and are subject to change without notice. Please email marketing at pencommunitybank.com regarding booking or repurposing any part of this podcast.